Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to Episode 7 of the No Look Pass Podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You can be anywhere in the world. You can be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who still thinks Michael Kidd Gilchrist will make multiple All-Star teams. And my co-host with me today, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what's good? Uh, it's, it's a great day to be an NBA fan. We're going to knock this thing out, you know, kind of like uh, Holly Holm did the Ronda Rousey last night. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, she's been she's already been memed to death. I love the internet. Before we get into the show, we have a lot to talk to you about. We're going to talk to you about the Boston Celtics, who we watched this week. We're going to get into some uh, Boogie Cousins talk, and then we might uh, delve into a little Steph Curry talk. But, Andy, I have an announcement to make. I have officially adopted the Detroit Pistons as my 2015-2016 team to root for. So, I mean, that, that's a huge thing for me because, you know, as you know, I'm a Nets fan. And will I watch all 82 Nets games still? Yes, because, I mean, I watched – Bobby Simmons and Travis Allop play small forward for 82 games. I can get through anything. But <laughs> they're not making the playoffs, even though they almost had a, a win in Golden State last night, which I stayed up until all hours of the morning, or all hours of the night watching, even though I knew how it was going to end. But the Detroit Pistons, they're my team. I filed the paperwork. I got the answer. I talked to some Detroit Pistons fans. They're allowing me to, you know, sort of take a seat, you know, a, you know, a temporary pass. So I'm, I'm in. I'm in with the Pistons. And, and things might be looking up for Detroit. I mean, the Lions uh, just won in Lambeau for the first time in, like, 46 centuries. <laughs> that all all figures are approximate. Okay, so we are going, <laughs> close, to, close. We're, we're going to delve into our weekly segment, which was uh, while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Boston Celtics. But first, I do want to say that I love TNT. Ernie Johnson, Shaq, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith. This is not this, – this segment is not in any means to – TNT because I do love TNT. I like watching their shows. Inside the NBA is by far the best, I think, the best sports, you know, commentary show, uh, you know, on TV. But, but anyways, uh, Boston Celtics. Andy, how many Boston Celtics games did you watch? What were your impressions? I, I'm gonna. I watched one full game. I watched the the latest game of their three. Um, I, I watched the Atlanta Hawks game. I did, however, watch that cool little compressed recap edition of the the Bucks game too. So I watched both their wins. I missed the one loss against the Pacers. Okay. And uh I that's actually I also did not watch the Pacers game. I watched the Bucks game. I had it on DVR. And then I watched the Hawks game live. So what did what, what were you thinking of the uh Boston Celtics here? How how did they do? We we joked about this a little before the show kicked off, but they run some of the weirdest sets I've ever seen. Their lineups are all over the place. I I was just telling Frank before we came on air about how I actually I didn't really need to tell Frank because he watched the game too, but that Hawks game in particular, there's a lot of times where you would have like, you know, Evan Turner's running the ball up the court while Isaiah Thomas is playing off or Marcus Smart playing off. Sometimes they make Marcus Smart's like a shooting guard on that team. Um, or you'll have Turner or Bradley running the point. You got Olenek trailing just to shoot threes. Uh, Sully doing what Sully does. I thought Sully, I don't, I, I'm going to keep saying it because I thought he ate his way out of the rotation. He looks like Glenn Davis with a blonde faux hawk, and he's killing it. I, Glenn, or not Glenn Davis, but Jared Tolger looks great. I mean, what's he doing? He averaged double-digit rebounds for the whole week while we watched. I mean, this, they're getting results. I mean, 2-1 and one on this little stretch here where, where we were watching, um, and it, it's it's weird. I mean, they're what five hundred, four and four, but they seem to be able to play yeah. basketball despite the craziness that's going on on the court when they're 
out there throwing guys so, everywhere. So let's let's talk about let's talk about Jared Sullinger for a second because the first thing I noticed about this team, you know, and Andy does maybe more of the X's and O's. I notice all the weird stuff. So this is a weird hairdo team. So Jared Sullinger and Marcus Smart have like identical dyed mohawks. And I tried looking it up what? because the last time I made fun of somebody for their hair, it was Hashim the Beat, and he, apparently he does it for like, you know, his like tribe, you know, where he's from in Africa, and it's like a real big tribute, so it's like a really cool thing. And I made fun of him for it, and I felt bad. But I looked it up. There, there is no, there is no instance or no information that says that the Jared Sullinger and Marcus Smart identical hairdo is anything more than just like a weird bromance dyed mohawk thing. And I don't understand it. They got like a lot of weird hairdos. Evan Turner has like a really weird part in his hair, and then you got like Kelly Olynyk got like he the his hair looks like it's from the 1930s. I just yeah, noticed and then this. Kelly Olynyk's got like the long, like the the 80s stoner hair going on, and then uh, Jay Crowder has like the long dread that he like patches up, and they look like a, like a hairnet, sort of like a lunch lady working. I don't understand the hair the hairdos on on the Boston Celtics. Boston barbers got to get their act together here. Um, you know what I do so understand with Boston, though, is the, that ball, that basketball doesn't stop moving, despite the weird lineups yeah. they're, they're running around with out there. That ball is just, like, flowing with ease. And I, it, it's almost one of those instances where you're talking about a team who doesn't really think they have a go-to guy necessarily. They don't have a LeBron James or, you know, a Kobe or somebody like that that's going to take a high volume of shots. Maybe Isaiah on some nights, but they really do seem to trust one another. I, you know, you can't can't say enough about a coach who gets his teammate or gets his players to buy into a team scheme and it seems like the Celtics are, are playing with that that sort of an edge. Yeah, and I agree. The ball definitely does move a lot, but the one thing I noticed, you know, with that though, it it does seem like they play a lot on the perimeter even by passing. You know, we're both uh, upstate New York guys. You know, I'm sure you see like a, a lot of Syracuse games like I do because they're probably on a lot. You know, it, it almost seems like a team that's playing Syracuse trying to break the zone where they're just passing around the perimeter for like 15-20 seconds. And then all of a sudden, you know, some possessions, if they do that, they're just passing around the three-point line, and then it's like, oh, there's only like eight seconds left in the shot clock, and they give it to Isaiah Thomas or Evan Turner, and they got to make a play. So it, it does seem very perimeter-oriented at times, which I thought was, a, you know, sort of a, a flaw in, in their offense that I think they'll obviously fix as they get more go-to players. But it is definitely that I, something that I noticed. I don't know if you noticed that as well. Yeah, no, they they really do, and, it is a lot of that kind of – and I think it's one of those those instances, like I was saying before, where you're almost, in a sense, looking for somebody else to make the first move offensively because they don't have that guy. I mean, exactly. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas is the closest thing to it, but it's – I don't know. I feel like for a guy like Isaiah Thomas, it's got to be really hard to get your looks in a half-court set being that he's so small. You think – when you think of Isaiah Thomas, he's great on the break, but that's because he doesn't yeah. necessarily have a, a tree or two in his way, and – I don't know. I think they do need to develop some sort of a go-to guy. I thought it was going to be David Lee. What happened to all that? Yeah, I, David Lee actually had a good week. You were trashing him before last week's show, and then that's, you know, I ended up picking the Celtics, so you were, like, dreading watching David Ugh. Lee, but I thought he had, he had some good good times out there. I'm glad you brought up Isaiah Thomas because I think he is the alpha dog on this team if they do have one. Granted, I think clearly have one, but I think if you had to pick somebody, you would pick Isaiah Thomas. And I would like to nominate Isaiah Thomas as easily a top 20 fun to watch basketball player. I mean, I don't know how good he is. I'm, I'm really not sure because sometimes he's just like jacking up threes in a fast break and you really know what's going on. He's got a lot of Jamal Crawford in his game. Um, but I loved watching every time Isaiah Thomas got the ball, I was excited because I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was in a good way, not in a bad way. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think easily a top 20 fun to watch basketball player. 
Uh, yeah, I, I I think I can get on board with that. I, I liked him before. I mean, I liked him when he played in Sacramento. I liked him when he played in Phoenix. He's always been a spark plug of a guy, and he does make some amazing plays happen. I just always kind of felt bad for him because you just know that teams are looking for the 6'3 or 6'4 athletic point guard. And, you know, Thomas may have that flash like a Jamal Crawford carries with his game, but it's just it's never going to translate into that big, violent you know, point guard of today who's just getting to the basket and dunking on everybody. I, I just I, – I always feel like Isaiah Thomas is going to be a team stopgap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's always like the guy before you get the guy. Yeah. The but, shirt uh, before the it, shirt. It, exactly. It's weird because the roster is – it's like a waiver wire team. You know, every guy on that team is like a guy you've dropped in fantasy before. <laughs> That's just on the waiver wire, and you sort of see him. Either you dropped him or somebody else dropped him, and you're like, oh, should I pick up? Should I pick up Evan Turner? I don't know. I, you know, you're, you're sort of like debating whether he's good enough to be on your team and who you would drop. They got a, they got like 11 of those guys. All I've had a few of those guys this year. I drafted, yeah. I think I drafted a David Lee, which is why I was so mad at him. Because I, I, I said this like a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week I said this. I initially was kind of like, yeah, I'll draft Solinger. He's going to get me a double double. But then there was all this blasphemous talk like, oh, David Lee, David Lee's here now. So, you know, I don't really know if Solinger has much room to do anything. And then they brought, you know, the Amir Johnson thing too. But I think I had Solinger. I dropped him. I've had David Lee. I've dropped him. I've had Amir Johnson on my team too. This is the same team. I've had all three of these guys at one point. Exactly. And I, I, I completely agree. I think I've had multiple Celtics on my team this season. But my favorite part, my whole week, I really enjoyed my week with the Celtics. I thought, by far, for me, the most entertaining week of the three we've done so far. Um, but my favorite part was uh, the commentating. I don't know if you if you uh, got caught the Boston feeds or the or the road feeds, but I was listening to the Boston feeds for both games. And the um, the color man, who I, I wish I remembered his name offhand. I can't believe I don't. All these Boston fans, he's probably he's legendary in the Boston area, and I can't believe I can't remember his name now. They're all going to yell at me. But so he's like the drunk uncle at your family reunion who who gets like way too drunk and then doesn't realize how loud he's talking. So there was a play at the end of the Hawks game where uh, Jared Sullinger is posting up against Mike Muscala, which is like an entertaining play in itself. And then so Sullinger scores to put them up, and you know it was a pretty close game. And all of a sudden, just like louder than he should have been, he goes, "That's what I would look for every time down the floor." <laughs> it's just like a Jared Sullinger post up. Like, why are we looking for Jared Sullinger post up? I don't understand. But it was it was, you can't miss it was him with And he just does random things like that throughout the game, especially when he gets way too excited. And he was very much like your drunk uncle at the barbecue. And I just I enjoyed every minute of it. I love I like the Boston See, Celtics. I might watch more Boston Celtics games. That's why being a guy from New York and I get all the Knicks and Nets games, I've always hated listening to the Knicks. I, I'm sorry, Knicks Nation, but Oh, Walt Frazier is the worst. And yeah, sometimes trash. you get these you get these guys and they get so wrapped up in the teams. And actually, during this Celtics-Hawks game, there was also another funny part I was thinking of as you were saying this, is Evan Turner just gets the ball outside on the perimeter. And, you know, he says, Turner makes this move sometimes. I wish he would get in the paint. And he, right, it, it's like Turner was listening. He pump fakes. <laughs> And then the defender goes up a little, and he gets around it, and he shoots. He shoots from two feet inside the the three point line, and then he goes, "She get in the paint," and I'm like, "She's not even in the paint." What are you talking about, man? Like you're. I remember. I mean, that was the other play I was going to bring up. 
I decided to yeah. bring up the soldier play instead, but I thought about bringing Oh, my God, I was laughing hysterically. I was like, he's not in the paint, though. He's not even in the paint. <laughs> he's taking the Monte Ellis like bargain basement shot. Worst shot in the game, and you're praising him for being in the paint. <laughs> it was, oh, it was wonderful. It, it was wonderful. I'm going to watch more Boston Celtics games this season than I anticipated <laughs> just because of our week with the Celtics. Um, do you have any closing thoughts about the Celtics playoff team, you think? Uh, I, think they're, I, mean, I think, I think they're, they're about where I, I feel like you and I thought they were kind of in the same bag to start the season. I think they're about there. A 500 team, but like I said, they're 2-1 two and, two and one over the last three, so a little progress there. I, I don't think they're a serious playoff team. I think they're a fringe, you know, eight-seed type team and probably a first-round exit still. I Nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I actually, I didn't pick them to pick the playoffs before the season started. I might get off of that a little bit. I mean, I think they'll be in contention, but... Somewhere, right, yeah, they're there on, around yeah, that bottom part. On Boston Celtics, Boston Celtics fans, I, I hope you enjoy. I think for the most part, we had positive things to say. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it again. I, I thought it was a great week with the Boston Celtics. But before we move into our next segment, we were also brought to you by sports-kings.com where you can follow all the latest breaking news, videos, and gossip in the sports world, visit sports-kings.com slash fill specifically to find all your hoops needs. Again, that's sports-kings.com. Andy, we need to talk about your boy, Boogie Cousins. <laughs> all right, so so let's I – got, I got two things to say about Boogie Cousins, and then I'm going to give you the floor. So I'm just going to introduce this to you. The obvious feud that was going on this week was between Boogie and his coach, George Carl. Apparently – Allegedly, reportedly, Boogie cursed out Carl in front of the entire team, and then George Carl wanted to suspend him, but Plade Divac vetoed the suspension. Um, and then two days, two or three days later, Boogie got got on Twitter and was having a little bit of a uh, a Twitter war, subtweeting, and tweeted, "Quote: Tough guy for the cameras, comma cupcake in person!" Exclamation point. Andy. You represent Boogie in all matters. Defend your boy. First of all, I would like to say that DeMarcus Cousins has been advised not to fight a senior citizen. And that's no respect <laughs> to jo- uh, disrespect to George Carl. Phenomenal coach. Probably a great guy. I, yeah, he's old. You know, the thing, the thing to me is the biggest problem with this whole – I mean, obviously, you know I'm going to defend Boogie, but I think Vade is the one that's out of his mind. Like, you can't – I feel like as soon as you start going against your coach, everything's just going to fall apart. I mean, at that precise moment, I do understand that DeMarcus Boogie Cousins is, you know, a phenomenal talent. He's got to get it together though. I never thought that like, you know, bringing in Rudy Gay was going to be the answer. And then they bring in Rondo. Rondo was probably egging it on. He was probably like, yo, you know, I didn't used to like Doc Rivers either. And I almost was going to choke him once. So this is what you should do to Carl. And I, I I just don't get it. I still I still as much as I like Boogie, I still think he needs a role model. I and he has the Kings it's almost like the Kings haven't even tried that. Is is that do you think that that's outlandish for me to say? Do you think DeMarcus Cousins no. would do well with a role model? And yeah. why aren't the Kings even Absolutely. attempting this? Yeah, I mean I think I, I don't think it's inappropriate to say that the Kings have coddled DeMarcus Cousins ever since he's been in the league. I mean to get, at some point you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like those girls, you know, how girls are like, oh, my God, I'm so single. It's like, but, like, you've broken up with, like, the last four dudes that you've been with. And at some point, it's like, do you ever look in the mirror? Like, maybe it's you. Maybe it's not everybody else in the world. And I think Boogie's got to take, he's got to take a similar look in the mirror. Every coach that you've had since you've been in the league, 
you've you feuded with. So at some point, you know, has do the Kings hire all bad coaches? Which is which is a possibility. I'm not ruling that out by any means, but I'm just saying, you know, at some point Boogie's got to look in the mirror and be like, you know, I'm feuding with all these guys, so maybe I need to change something I'm doing, and not everybody has to change something that they're doing. But I don't think it's, it's unfair to say that that Boogie has been cobbled, and I agree that he needs. I mean. To be honest, I think a good coach, even though I don't know how realistic, I don't even know if he wants to coach, would be like maybe a guy like Jerry Sloan. You know, Jerry Sloan, who has been around the league, you know, who is well-respected in the league. I don't know if he's even looking to coach or anything like that, but um, just a guy that wouldn't take any BS from, from a guy like DeMarcus Cousins and who has the, the sort of the respect in the league for DeMarcus Cousins if he starts beefing with Jerry Sloan to just be like, no, Boogie, like you got to understand, like this guy knows what he's doing. This guy is a successful guy in this league, and I think they need somebody like that rather than just. And you would think George Carl might even be that guy. So, I, listen, I don't, I don't know what. Boogie's well, that's where I was. The guy, I, I the thought George Carl was that guy. I thought right. I thought George Carl had a ton of respect. He has, you know, clout in the league. He, I mean, he's he's been around for a long time. We're not talking, you know, a Brad Stevens or somebody, you know, a new guy. We're talking a, a guy who's been around the NBA for a long time. It's just, I just feel like. I don't. I, I'm to the point where I, you know, I understand what Demarcus Cousins is, but somebody's got to be able to. I don't think the Kings can handle a player like that. I'm, I'm kind of to this point. I mean, you're three and seven, and I think another thing people do tend to overlook sometimes, and you know, let me let me get the back of these young players a little bit. I think a lot of these guys, they're just so young, and we don't think of them as being young. You think you might look at Demarcus Cousins, think he's old enough to be your father. You know, he's you're yeah, talking right. a, a young dude in his early twenties. I mean. These guys are young guys. They make bad. I know the decisions that I made personally when I was a young, you know, when I was in my early twenties. There's just things that I think about now as you know, a 32 year old. I'm like, wow, I'm an idiot. I just these yeah. guys need motivation. I think these organizations they pump so much money into these players that you like you've got to protect your own interests, right? I mean, at some point, I just I don't think the Kings are the answer. I think eventually they're gonna have you, to they're gonna have to get rid of Cousins. It's, it, I, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, I think that's, that might be where this ends. You know, at, at some point, y- you have to make a decision, like you're saying. And, you know, the way Vlade Divac is, is handling this, it's almost like somebody that has no experience being a GM. Oh, wait, he doesn't have any no experience clue. being a GM. They just, like, plucked him off. You know, he was, like, you know, in, uh, I don't know, Czechoslovakia. I don't know where Vlade Divac is from. Forgive me. Um, I think it's Czechoslovakia. He was just chilling there. And, they, you know, Vivek just called him and was like, hey, you want to be a GM? And he's like, yeah, sure. I mean, what else am I going to do? And he just that's how he became the GM of the Sacramento Kings. So, I mean, that just shows you the way that they operate their business, which is a pretty bad inclination for, you know, success. And I it think was it's a weird showing signing. Way, I, he was like out of nowhere. Yeah, and, you know, you, you bring, you know, we talked about this before the season started. You're already a disaster as far as personnel goes, as far as personalities go. You bring in Rajon Rondo. You bring Rondo. in, you know, I mean, you bring in all these guys that are emotional to begin with, and you, your best player is already emotional. You need some sort of stability. You need somebody that can be the voice of reason in that locker room, and that guy just simply doesn't exist, and it's just – until you get that or until you get rid of Boogie, it's just going to be this continuous cycle, and I, I don't ever see it stopping it until something, like, drastic really changes. And Boogie needs a good trying to fight all guys. I mean – who tried to fight Sean Elliott? <laughs> now, now he's going to to George. I I don't I don't get it. Boogie, grow up a little, man. You got to do it. He probably he's yeah. gonna want to fight me now. Yeah, but I I do have to say 
the, the tough guy for the cameras, Cupcake in person, that, that's a good tweet. That, that, that is a solid use of Twitter. That is gold. Direct. Yeah, you don't, you're right. You don't need to guess what he's talking about. It, it's a beautiful tweet, Boogie. Don't ever, don't ever change tweeting. But, I mean, maybe you should for your success. But for my entertainment, don't ever change all right, so needs more people. Andy, I'm, yeah, he he definitely he definitely does. He he needs more people. Uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about something you wanted to talk about, which was the new push for Steph Curry as the best player in the National Basketball Association. So the way you sent it to me via message is, I'm just going to guess without knowing what you're going to say that you do not agree that Steph Curry is the best player in the league. No, I don't. I I mean, I I agree that Steph Curry can be the best player in the league, and I think it's it's not even impossible to predict that that might happen by the end of this year. But I need more than eleven games. I, you know, people are going to hit you with, well, he won the championship last year. He was the MVP last year, but it's still like to me to be the best player in the league that that can't happen in a handful of games in a half a season. I mean, it's it's got to be. It's got to be real, and it's got to be undisputed, especially when you're unseating one of probably the greatest players of all time in LeBron James. I just think it's a bit premature, and I think these things always tend to bitter me on players sometimes a little bit. It makes me be like, you know what, what are you, Steph Curry, what are you out of your mind? Like, I mean, I think he's a great player. I love watching him. He's probably the most exciting player in the league to watch right now, but is he is he the best, Frank? Is he the best? I say no. Well, I mean – the team did win the championship last year, and he was the MVP. That, that's sort of my argument. I think Steph, Steph Curry is the best player in the league. I, you think I he actually is? agree. Yeah, most certainly. Wow. And I think I think it's more so not only because of his progress and because he is actually a very good defender now, um, and you know he's he's just sort of reaching all these things offensively that are just unprecedented. I mean, he's going to kill the, the three points made, and he shoots. He shoots so many threes a game, and he does it at, at a, such a high success rate. It's it's just unforeseen and unheard of. But my argument for Steph Curry as the best player would probably be against all these other guys. You know, first LeBron James, who I think is past. I, I think we've seen the best of LeBron James. I think he's past his prime. That doesn't mean he's not an unbelievable I, I player. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah, and I, I, I don't. That's no knock on LeBron James. It's just that he was he's sort of turned mortal now, whereas he was like an alien. You sort of see where, you know, it used to be LeBron James put his head down and it was just like a terrorizing thing where you just felt bad for the defender because you didn't know how it was going to end for them. You just hoped that they were going to be okay after it happened. But now it's sort of like LeBron puts his head down and, you know, sometimes he gets fouled. He doesn't always convert those and ones like he used to. He doesn't just run through guys anymore because, I mean, in part, Part of it is just him being strategic and him knowing his body and being a genius and knowing, okay, my team is going to make the Eastern Conference Finals whether I play 80 games or 50 games. So why am I going to go 100% every single night when I need it for, you know, June, you know, from April to June? So he understands. Well, he's always going to happen fast, though, too. Uh, You're never never going to know. Like, that corner is going to get turned so quickly that – Anybody who's saying it is still LeBron or it's not Curry is already going to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like you're by the time yeah. 
your thoughts are processed, it's already going to be the next guy, you know, if that's the case. If, I think if Curry, if Curry does in the minds of any, everybody, it's unanimous that Curry's the best player, it's going to be by the end of this season. I, you know, I would bet any amount of money on that. I, you know, you're already saying he is. A lot of other people are already saying he is. Some of that's probably LeBron hate still talking because people still manage to hate LeBron James for you know, yeah, on undisclosed reasons. Just, but yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm one of those people. I'm such like a trying not to be a prisoner of the moment that maybe I fall behind the time. I did this with Kobe and LeBron, so it took me a long time to actually say LeBron is a better player than Kobe Bryant. And I may, maybe this happened yeah. before my eyes. Uh, again, I won't tell anybody they're wrong with the Steph Curry thing. I just I I'm being cautious. Yeah. No. I mean, and that's that's fine. I mean, I don't think anybody would would fault you for that. I, I mean, I feel the same way. You know, it's sort of if somebody tells me no, Steph Curry is and LeBron's the best player in the league, I'm like, sure, you can't go wrong with LeBron James. (laughs) It's not like you're silly for picking LeBron James. And I think anybody that that does think like those people that are just like LeBron's not clutch and all that nonsense, you know, I don't, I don't even listen to those to those sort of like basketball first take, hot take opinions. So I, I don't even like I just tune those out. I just I don't even debate you. It's just sort of like okay, whatever. I'll go to like spend my time doing something that I actually want to do and not waste 50 minutes of my life. And then you're just, your response to me is just going to be, well, he's just not the clutch gene or he's not a leak. Like get away from me. But you know, you can't go wrong with LeBron James, but I I do. I feel Steph Curry is, is absolutely, well, is the best player in the league in my mind. Not absolutely. But in my mind, I think, I think he is just because, what what he's doing is like LeBron James and his prime, just in un, in a different way. But it's just an unprecedented thing. It's something that we've never seen before. I think he will be the best shooter of all time, and I think I mean, he's he already the most, best shooter of all time. I, I don't think yeah, I've ever I seen mean, anybody with range like that. I mean, everything he does, he kisses high off the glass. He's shooting off balance. He's it's it's funny to watch what he does because you know before the screen even comes up to be set, he knows where he's going with the ball. Like before the screen's even there, he knows I'm going around backwards because this player, despite the fact that I shoot so many threes a game, still is taught in his brain to, you know, you want to come around. You're yeah. not trying to pop back. Absolutely. And he's got you because he can shoot from, I, I mean, wherever he feels like. <laughs> yeah, you got to pick him up. He's he's the only player I've ever seen where you have to pick him up half court. <laughs> you know, at half court, every single possession because you don't know he could pull up from half court. He could do it. it it's crazy. Part of that is a shout yeah. out to Steve Kerr and his the system he's created that allows Curry to do this stuff because some coaches like would have been going mad. <laughs> with the yeah. guy, even with the results. I mean, you see the guy come up and pull, especially with so many talented players. That's the other thing too. Shout out to the Warriors for. I mean, I know Clay Thompson was having a rough statistical season and, and everything yeah, with the, the emergence of with Curry going it's nuts. Like a, yeah, it's a low-key It takes it's a special players line. to yeah. – it is. It's a no, very low-key storyline. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I agree. Um, I agree that the Warriors just have have put together a, a tremendous a tremendous team. Um, but we are going to move on to our final segment, which is the stud and scrub of the week fantasy-wise. So, Andy, give me your stud of the week in fantasy basketball. You know, my my stud of the week is is actually going to be, and this was a close one too. I'll tell you, I I have a few guys in here, but I've ultimately decided to go with a guy who I was just defending a little bit. That's LeBron James, thirty two points a game, seven rebounds, about six assists, shooting, you know, over fifty percent from the field goal from from field goal range, which seems 
normal being LeBron, but I, I think he's had a, a yeah. great fantasy week. Absolutely. I, I like that LeBron. I mean, LeBron's reached that point a long time ago where he just has, like, abnormal statistics, but for him it's so normal that you sort of, like, you don't even look at him anymore. You're just like, oh, LeBron yeah. has 30, 10, and 10, and it's like because he's LeBron. Then all of a sudden somebody else would have 30, <laughs> 10, and 10, you're like, oh, it's so amazing. How did he do that? <laughs> yeah. But speaking of triple doubles, I am going with Rajon Rondo for my set of the week. Uh, two games in a row playing 48 minutes straight, which I thought was impressive, maybe not fantasy related, and two triple doubles this week. And he's still a steals machine. And he hits. He started hitting threes now, even so. He really has, you know, stuffed the the stat sheet as far as fantasy goes. I mean, he does still shoot thirty five percent from the free throw line. But you know, when you have triple doubles, we can forgive you. Uh, your scrub of the week, Andy. One Anthony Unibrow Davis. You're on the back of a milk carton. Just seventeen and seven over the last week. Only playing nineteen minutes a game. I. Yeah, I, I think Davis has kind of been a bust as a whole this season, being that he was dubbed, you know, the top guy. Uh, I think it's been a little disappointing, being that there's probably three guys you could have drafted ahead of him who have done better. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're the first pick in the fantasy draft and you're giving 10th-round production, yeah, you're, it's probably not a good thing for you. My scope <laughs> of the week is uh, J.R. Smith, who had a DMP once this week, and I was ex- fully expect he's on my fantasy team. I was fully expecting an FU game versus the Knicks, former team. I was expecting JR to just go off, and he was non-existent, has been non-existent all season, plays about 30 minutes a night, and I don't, I'm not sure if he scored in double digits this week. I don't think he has. So, JR Smith, get your act together. I want to I see Jay you putting up 10 threes a game. Yeah, I, I want to see the old JR Smith, YOLO. Uh, Andy, before we leave, who are we watching for next week? We're going to watch that disastrous mess of triple doubles and picking fights with coaches, the Sacramento Kings. Oh, yes. Yes. That's, that's a great, that's a great choice. It seemed, it seemed only that proper. A, yeah. Yeah. I, I am fully excited for Boogie Rajon. I'm hoping that we, we see an actual fight, not, not like a <laughs> hockey fight. I'm talking like an inner, an inner squad brawl. So that is our that is our episode for today. Um, as always, we will be on next week from 6.30 to 7 p.m. to take you on a journey around the NBA. Um, we are going to end every week with the great philosopher Jason Williams, who once probably thought basketball is like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass outlook. And with that, we bid you good night. <laughs>